0: If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. Now, this is the part of your Bible reading plan that you probably skip, right? I'm sitting in the back thinking some of you probably haven't read this passage in your life, but... If you skip it, you're missing out on something good. You're missing out on the reality that all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for reproof and correction and training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be competent and equipped for every good work. And this passage actually equips us for the good work. Of building a strong church. You probably noticed when Drew was giving you those 1,000 names that she said the word repaired multiple times. And the word repaired actually means in the Hebrew to make something strong and firm. And so what Nehemiah is saying is there's a whole bunch of people who got together and they made a strong and firm wall. And like they built a strong and firm wall, we want to build a strong and firm church. And here's what we need to do that. They, the people show us what we need to do. We need voluntary service from everyone. We need voluntary service from anyone. You notice in the text like, that the, the call to serve is answered by all types of people. Rich people, poor people, single people, married people, men and women. And when they answered the call, they actually honored their word. In chapter 2, verse 16, they said, let us rise up and build. They actually promised that they would do it. And then verse 1 of chapter 3 says, Then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brothers and the priests, and they built the sheep gate. They consecrated and set its doors. They consecrated as far as the Tower of the Hundred. They gave their word, and they followed through. What you see here is these are people Nehemiah now realizes he can depend on. When you give your word and you follow through, people are like, oh, that's somebody I can trust. That's somebody I can have in my life. That's somebody I can actually depend on. People who keep their word bless their church family. Take it out of your, out of your church family context. When you keep your word at your job, when you, do, when you say, I'm going to do something and you follow through, you're probably going to sort of rise. People are probably going to trust you with more. And I want you to notice that they started at the Sheep Gate. So there's a picture for us quick. I'm going to try to move fast. The Sheep Gate is way up here at the top. And what that was was actually was, it was quick access to the temple. So you, they, they started to fix the part where you, could get into the, you, you had to use to get into the presence of God to go and worship. Why do you think we've been singing, here's my worship, all my worship? Because when they start there, they're saying this rebuild is about God. When they start, there, they're saying we're doing this ultimately for God and for his glory. That's why it says they consecrated the wall. They did everything for the glory of God. Doesn't that make you think of Jesus? He did everything for the glory of God. And when you answer the call to serve, that should be your motive for the glory of God, not my glory. I want you to know also that they embrace sacrifice. When they chose to serve, they embraced sacrifice. They left their jobs, their homes, their family to do the work. People came from, I'm not going to read the, Drew already read the text, so now I just get to kind of dip in. But people came from Jericho, they came from Tekoa, they came from Gibeon, they came from Mizpah, they came from Zenoa, uh, Beth Hecarim, Beth Zer, and Kilia. They came from all over the place. You just go back home and read it after if you want, check it. And when you go to chapter 4, verse 22, you find out they actually couldn't leave Jerusalem. They couldn't leave because of the threats on their life. They actually had to stay in the city to be safe. And so what you have here is there's a, there are people who are away from family and familiarity for a very long time. There's a cost to serving, and they embrace the cost. But, but but when we're in the middle of struggling sometimes, right? Because there's a cost and we feel it. And when you're in the middle of struggling with that cost, what you need to remember is that you're doing something that is blessing somebody else or is going to lead to the blessing of someone else. When they chose to serve, they left their comfort zones. They left their comfort zones. Notice that Nehemiah tells you priests were serving, that's verse 28, goldsmith were serving, verse 31. Perfumers were serving, that's verse 8. Merchants, verse 32. Uh, Verse 12, rulers. They're doing something completely different than their day job. And when you, these, these professions that I just listed are actually really lucrative professions in the time. And so they leave a lucrative profession to do grueling work. And you need to notice, nobody said, that's not my gift. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Victor's with me. I can't tell you how many times you run into people, you're like, hey, we have a need down there, and they're just like, I'm not, that's not my gift. I don't feel called to it. Sometimes you're called to the thing that's just flat out available. Not, nobody said that's not my gift. They saw a need and they rolled up their sleeve. But even though I, I, I'm, I'm going at some people, I also want to encourage our church because there's a ton of people who are serving out of their comfort zone. There's a ton of people who are, who are giving, and we should give thanks for those people. I've sat in front of people being like, hey, they're like, I don't really want to be near kids. We're like, but we need you down there. And they go and they do it. They step in. That's how the church stays healthy. Here's this next thing. When they served, they took responsibility. The wall was a mess. Remember when he came home, what he said? He's like, Jerusalem is in ruins, and they did something to make it. Right, when we see a need, when, you, when you're walking around here in the family, when you see a need, be willing to answer the need. Because when you do, you're saying, I'm taking responsibility. It, I know that for, this church is not everybody's home church, but if this is your church, if this is your family, if this is where you're going to settle, don't just be someone who takes. Be someone who gives, who takes responsibility to say, I'm going to step in and I'm going to participate. T.J. Betts said this, he said... A church's greatness is not measured by its size. Can I say it again? A church's uh, greatness is not measured by its size. I grew up in a very, very large church, and there was not a lot of people doing a lot. And I stayed away from it for a very long time, a good 20 years, because I just didn't believe anything because they were just like, there was a lot of talk and not a lot of action. It's measured by the percentage of of people taking responsibility for what Christ has called them to do in his service. When you chose to follow Jesus, you chose to to actually walk with somebody who served and calls you to do the same. Some people took responsibility, but did you notice that there were some people who didn't? Did you catch it when Drew was giving you those 100 names? Some people took responsibility, but some didn't. Look at verse 5. It says, and next to them... The Decoites the, 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 the repaired, but their nobles would not stoop to serve their Lord. That phrase, would not stoop, literally, the, the right translation would be they would not bend their neck. And so, what Nehemiah is telling you is that you are running into some very prideful people here. They actually thought the work was beneath them. I'm not going to do that. I know that that's a real need, but I want to do something that's easy for me. I want to do something that just, maybe I just don't want to do it at all. That's somebody else's job. I've, I've done my serving. Now it's time for me to ease off and just relax. They thought the work was beneath them. What you see here, these are prideful people who are nothing like Jesus. See, Jesus sees a need and he doesn't just watch. Jesus sees your need and my need and he actually comes and he serves and he gives so that we can turn around and be those kinds of people to change our actions. These people didn't serve and they're actually the ones that lost out. They lost out on the chance to display humility. They lost out on the chance to build friendship and community, isn't it? Sometimes you're like, I don't know anybody around here, but you start serving and you're like, oh, I actually made six people this week. And now they know my name. We always say, you know, there's lots of people who are like, I want community, I want community. I'm like, participate. They're like, oh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> All right, see ya. They lost their chance to love. They lost their chance to love because they wouldn't serve Other people had to do more. Let me show you so you know I'm not making it up. Look at verse 27. After him, the Tekoaites repaired another section opposite the great projecting tower as far as the wall of Ophel. The the nobles from Tekoa wouldn't do anything, so the regular people from Tekoa had to do more. They had to jump in and fill a gap because these people would not... the guard, uh, the NBA guard Chris Paul from the Golden State Warriors now says, when everybody does a little, nobody has to do a lot. I was hanging out with my friend Hassan Bell this week, and he, says, he said, Marv, many hands make light work. Think about that. Many hands make light work. When we get after it together, we're actually loving each other. Do you understand that? Many hands make light work. Now, they could have lightened the load, but they didn't. And the truth is, this is actually what happens a lot in church. When I was talking to Hassan this week, he's just like, I said to him, I'm like, Hassan, I'm I'm a little nervous. He's like, why? I'm like, I got to give our church a bit of a hard word. And I said, you know, because there are some people in our church that are just sitting and I love you too much to not be a truthful shepherd. There are some people in our church who are just sitting. And there are some people who are giving and giving. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I don't want people to be offended. I don't want them to feel disrespected. I don't want them to feel like I'm sort of coming at them too hard. And he goes, Marv, honestly, what you're talking about would preach in every church. I'll tell you a story. A couple weeks ago, I got back from having a little bit of a rest. Thank you for that. So we balance that too. So we serve and we rest. That's necessary, but we get back involved. So I came back, and Sabrina was leading that weekend. And she was singing, doing a great job, killing it. You know how Sabrina is, very smooth on the mic. And then the next week, I was like, oh, Sabrina and Tommy are not here, because they usually sit like right over there. So I was like, oh, okay, sometimes, you know, it's cold, you want to stay at bed, that's all right sometimes. Then the next week I got up and I preached and I looked over. I was like, oh, Sabrina and Tommy are not here. And then then I saw her after in a Hope Kids t-shirt. She was singing, serving here. Then she had something come up so she wasn't able to come to church. Then the next week when she came to church, she had to go right back to serving. Because no, somebody isn't where they're supposed to be. And that's not loving. And that's not even sustainable for Sabrina. We love Sabrina too much for that. And she's not the only one. So hear me what I'm saying. I'm trying to, I'm trying to rally us here to, to look after one another. That's what this is about. That's, that's not loving to her. That's not even sustainable to her. That's where people are like, yeah, I've got to step back. I've got to stop because I'm the one carrying the multiple load where there's other people who can do something. And you're like, oh, Marv, you're just going hard at this because you want to fill holes and you want like, the, to meet the church budget. Yes, that's true. I'm not going to lie to you. But that's not the only reason. I'm also concerned about our legacy as a people of God. Look at what th- this is the only verse they get in this, in this book. This is what they're remembered for. What do you want to be remembered for in your life? Do you want to remember it as a person who's like, yeah, I follow Jesus selfishly, or I follow Jesus fully prepared to serve and give the way he has given to me? What? So that's, that's the thing. I sat there, I was like, what do I want to be remembered for? And it doesn't mean you're there every week doing it, but you're in there. And if you're in there, you're going to get a break and other people are going to get a break. And it's going to be healthy, sustainable, and loving. They built a strong wall. We want to build a strong church. That means we need wise administration from leaders. Wise administration from leaders. So when you, when you, when you follow the text, Nehemiah organized 38 teams with 38 different leaders who, who worked on 48 different parts of the wall. And so Nehemiah, he gave away leadership. He made sure that people had an opportunity And then he gave clear instructions. You need to know that the people actually knew what they were supposed to do. Did you you catch it? They repaired the gates, they laid beams, they set the doors in place. He he was clear. See, wise administration, a part of wise administration is good communication. And you could take lift that and put it anywhere in the church, in your business, in the school. Clear communication. When people know what they're supposed to do, then they're, they're probably not gonna get frustrated. Limits frustration. Nehemiah was a wise administrator. He even let people work near their house. Did you catch it? Even, so it says in verse 10, Jedediah repaired opposite his house. Verse 23, Benjamin repaired opposite his house. Verse 28, the priest repaired opposite their house. Verse 30, hard name, Meshelem repaired opposite his chamber. Now, I want to tell you this. I think Nehemiah is actually being very strategic. Think about this. If you're repairing something close to your house, don't you think you're going to do a good job? You don't want to come out with your cousin and be like, yo, you built that? <laughs> come on, brother. Did you see the other guy's spot? Motivated to do a good job because they, they had to look at it every day. They didn't want present work to bring future embarrassment. And so there's a couple of things there. One, we should do our best when we're doing things. Whether it's in the church, again, at your work, in your family, do your best for the glory of God. The flip side of it is, yes, people sometimes need to serve out of their comfort zone. That's true. But good leaders are also looking around and saying, yes, that person needs to be over here and be placed in a spot where they can be at their best and give their best. There's strategy to it. So we don't just say, oh, you're out of your comfort zone. Do that forever. Sometimes we say, you got to do that for a little while. Now you got to come over here because that's going to bless us for you to be in that spot. And so here's the thing to take away from this. Here's what we can do. Pray. Pray for our church. Pray that the leaders in our church would be wise administrators. I'm not the only one. There's others. Wise and strategic administrators. Here's the other thing. Give feedback. We're a family. I am positive there's lots of things we are not doing as wisely as we could be. Things aren't as organized as they could be. And some of you, I know it, I can see it in your eyes when I'm talking to you, tell us. Humbly tell us, not in a prideful way, like, you guys think of that, I'm not here. Humbly give feedback. And again, remember what I said before, if you highlight a problem, be willing to be part of the solution. But talk, because that's the way it's gonna get right. That's the way it's gonna be healthy and good. The other last one is, if you're gifted in this area, Bless us by telling us, and then get involved. There's, you know, gift administration is a gift, right? Spiritual. Some of you have it. Again, in conversation, just listening to you, but be willing to step in and help. Let's get it right. They built a strong wall. We want to build a strong church. That means we need unity as we labor. Unity as we labor, there's a phrase, so I'm, I mark my Bible when I'm, when I'm reading and studying, and you might want to do that. And it's the phrase, you'll see it multiple times. It says, it, you see here in verse two, and next to him, the men of Jericho built. And next to them, Zakur, the son of Imri built. Verse four, and next to them, meramoth the son of Uriah, son of Hazakog, I'm just going to say it how I want, repaired. And next to them, Meshulam, the son of Berkai, the son of Merzabel, repaired. And next to them, this one's an easy one, Zadok, the son of Banah, repaired. And next to him, the Tekoites repaired. What do you keep hearing? And next to them, and next to him, and next to them, and next to him. The way you could translate this is side by side. Side by side. They worked together. They were unified. You know what? They had a common goal. They needed to secure their city. Remember, broken down gates, broken down walls means somebody can invade you. It's going to affect your economy. You can't do the things you want to do. Nobody's going to want to come settle there because it's dangerous. Secured the city. They wanted to remove their shame. They said, come on, let us rise up and build so that we would no longer suffer derision. Every time you looked at a destroyed wall, it was a reminder that you had disobeyed God, you had been sent into exile, you had been invaded, everything got blown up. There was shame attached to that. It was a clear reminder of your sin. And they wanted to do the work for the glory of God. They said, let us build, let us build for God's glory. Now, here's the thing, disunity would have made all of that difficult. It's very hard to do something for the glory of God when you're busy fighting with the people of God. And isn't that what happens a lot in church? That's like the sixth time I've said that. Because these things are true. Where we should be unified, we're so busy fighting. Where we should be loving each other, we're so busy gossiping about one another. I'm going to tell you some things that destroy unity. These are things that we need to pray and ask for the spirit to guide us away from. Gossip and slander. And words have feet, right? I'm going to tell you something, but don't tell her. Hey, here's what so-and-so told me about you. But don't tell him I told you. Because we promised we wouldn't say anything. Disunity. Gossip and slander. How about grumbling and complaining? Again, there's a difference. Giving feedback is great. Grumbling and complaining and sitting off to the side, that destroys what God is trying to, has built, and we are supposed to maintain. We're to maintain unity. Jealousy and envy. Oh, so and so is getting to do that. Why am I not getting to do that? How about you just be content with where God has you right now? Because he knows what's best. And maybe if he gave you that thing, that position within, you would actually blow up like a prideful fish. Dishonesty, giving your word, not following through, doing things that makes people lose trust in you, those things destroy unity. You want to avoid those. Here's another thing. I want want you to notice that uh, unity is highlighted, but people's individual contribution is noted. So if you look, I think there's a, there's some, yeah, there it is. So there's a bunch of people in the list who actually have the same name. You might not have caught it, but I caught it for you. So, and next to them, Meshalem, the son of Berechiah, repaired. Verse 6, Meshalem, same name, the son of Besodiah, I'll say it how I want, repaired the gate. Different person. Machilja the son of Haram, repaired another section. Verse 31, after him, Machilja one of the goldsmiths, repaired. Verse 16, after him, Nehemiah, the son of book repaired. Chapter 1, verse 1, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hilkiah. Completely different person. Now, Nehemiah could have left this brother out. So you're like, so he would, what would happen? You'd be like, it's all about Nehemiah. It's named Nehemiah, but it's not all about him. He's not the only one who did a great and special thing here, and he's humble enough to acknowledge that fact when he puts that down. Verse 8, Hananiah, one of the perfumers, repaired. Verse 30, after him, Hananiah, the son of Shelemiah, repaired another section. Why am I showing you this? I'm trying to show you that when you choose to serve, when you choose to participate, when you choose to get fully involved, make it your home here, your contribution is happening in the context of unity, but... Your contribution is being noted by God. Did you guys hear what I said there? Heaven is taking note. What you got to realize here is Nehemiah put names down in a chapter that we would skip usually. He listed these people's names not because it's not just a list of random names. This is a group of people who did something special together and Nehemiah makes note of it and Jesus has put your name down in the book of life and when you choose to get up and participate and fully engage all of your effort, all of your energy is happening in the context of unity, yes, but God is making note of it. There's, there's a note going next to your name so that when you get to glory, so that the day that Jesus shows up, he will look at you and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. That's why you don't wanna sit. That's why you don't want to just watch. That's why you want to participate because God is paying attention and every time you get up and do the thing that he has gifted you to do or do the thing that makes you feel uncomfortable or do the thing that stresses you, stretches you, or do the thing that makes you feel like, I don't know if I can keep going again. All you got to do is keep showing up and when you do, God will fill you with his spirit. He will use you in a powerful and beautiful way and he will look and he will say, you are making me proud. These people are remembered. And I guarantee you, when they walked into heaven, there was somebody clapping. See, there's a real reality that you can be in Christ and do nothing. That's true. And you'll get to heaven and no one will notice. But you can get to heaven and somebody might clap you on the way in. And that's what I'm trying to get at all week, even as last night I was staying in the like, camp, i don't know how to preach this. I don't know what I'm, I don't, I don't know exactly what I'm trying to say, but the Spirit is making me very aware of what I'm trying to say right now. Your legacy matters. The things you do for God matters. The things you do in this church matter. You matter. Think about that. You matter. Your name is down somewhere. And God's paying attention to you. And when we band together and do something special, you know what what happens? It gives other people the chance to put Jesus at the center of their life, where he should be. We as a church have a chance to do something pretty special. And we're doing good things already, trust me. But there's more that we can do. And we can do more together. But all of us have to step in. And here's the thing I said to Kim yesterday. And I was afraid to say it, but I'm going to say it. Some of you are hearing what I'm saying, and you're not going to do anything. You're just going to... You're, you. Maybe you may you're just like, you're just going to stay sitting. You're not going to fill a hole somewhere where there's one. You're not going to start fully participating in the life of the church. Lovingly. That will be ungodly. Because your king and savior has gifted you and your brothers and sisters need you. Let's pray. Let's stand and pray. Father, we pray and ask that you would help us To see the opportunities that you have put in front of us, to see the needs around us and choose to love, to see the needs around us and choose to participate. I pray, God, that those of you who are stirring would walk in the truth and the conviction that they're feeling. I pray, Lord God, for those who may even be bothered by what I'm saying. I pray you would soften their heart towards your word and towards your people. I pray, God, that you would help us. God, I give you thanks for the people who are giving and serving and fully participating in the life of this body. Lord, we would not be able to be where we are if some people were not doing that. So we give you praise for that. But I pray that you would stir us all, you'd rally us all together to the work, to realize that together we can accomplish something special, like these people. Thank you for Nehemiah. Thank you for his leadership. Thank you for the people who rallied around him, who served together, who saw that there was something bigger than themselves going on. And God involved for your glory. Help us to be the same way we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.